Just had a banana there. Feeling very powerful. Washed it down with a glass of vodka. I mean water. Ah, yes, of course. Okay, we are set. Okay, hi everyone. Welcome back to Tokyo Jazz Joints podcast. It's now episode nine. James, nearly in double figures. Would you believe it? Couldn't really gather my hand around that we had more than 2,000 listeners to uh, some of these episodes already in just a couple of weeks. So now I think the sky's the limit. we got to start looking for some very well-heeled sponsors uh, going down the line. Well, um, you, it's funny you should mention numbers, James, because not that I'm obsessively looking at SoundCloud or anything, but uh, we're almost at that 10,000, the Ichiman mark, for those of you who speak Japanese, and uh, 10,000 listeners is is uh, a lot more than we certainly expected. I expected to be more in the region of about uh, 27. So, you know, I mean, wow, uh, fantastic. And yeah, I mean, in terms of sponsorship, you know, we haven't really gone down that road, but uh, I've had a few people asking about, you know, are we going to do a book? Are we going to put out this book, uh, this project as a book? Uh, and absolutely we are. Um, for us, really, it's been about timing. Uh, as well as the expense. And, you know, what we'd like to do is to get back, uh, certainly I would like to get back over, get reunited with James for uh, a month or so, and we'd like to sort of tick off another sort of 70, maybe 80 places. And then I feel like um, we'd be in a position to sort of draw a temporary line, certainly under the project, and, and it would be in some sort of publishable form. So uh, if you're interested in being involved in something like that, or you know of anyone that might be wanting to sponsor something like that, or, or help us uh, go down that publishing path, please, please get in touch with us through social media until then um, we're going to keep waffling on about the joints that we've been to sharing some of the images uh, with you and the stories that go behind them and uh, today we're, uh, we're we're talking about the future I suppose we've called the episode back to the future because we're looking at more forward thinking forward looking joints and probably a lot of the times when we're talking about the joints, it tends to be about um, how empty they are, how they're sort of grimy and old and dusty and how they're gradually sort of vanishing and disappearing from the Japanese landscape. But it's not necessarily all negative, James, is it? No, no, not at all. And I mean, you know, as you said, we definitely often focus on the, the more, you know, sort of rustic uh, vibe of a lot of these places because, you know, that is just the way that, that many of them, um, you know, many of them feel when you go in. But uh, over the last, I would say, 10 years or so, there's definitely been a, a slight shift um, with some new places uh, opening up, um, sort of targeting a different kind of customer and certainly creating a new atmosphere while still maintaining you know the hardcore sort of jazz essence i mean they all have records they all have got good audio systems and um you know having spoken to now upwards of you know over 200 places that i've been to um you know and spoken to all of the owners um it's just been you know sort of reinforced in me again and again that uh you know the old way of doing business in these jazz kisaten it's just not really sustainable in the long term in year 2020 um for those of you who you know who've not visited Japan or don't know too much about Japan, Japan is facing a, a demographic 
problem. Some some would call it a very urgent crisis of becoming an aging society. Um, a very, very high percentage of the population here are above age 65, um, creating a society that's never existed before in the world in any time in history, you know, totally skewed towards seniors, basically. Um, and so, you know, as, as people uh, age but live longer, um, you know, trends are, are, are changing. People are not really going out to the old joints that the way that they used to. And younger people just, you know, to be honest, uh, what appeals to old geezers like you and I, Philip, you know, the kind of smoky, dusty, dark, uh, cramped old jazz geese ten, you know, most of your young customers just aren't interested in those kinds of places. Um, so, you know, we've been keeping note and, and you can see some of the pictures uh, up on, on Tokyo Jazz Joints, uh, places that we're going to talk about today, um, have opened in the last five, six, uh, up to 10 years, and they've created a very different kind of environment to appeal uh, to people who, who really, you know, don't want to live in that old world, but want something a little more contemporary. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I don't think you had been there before, but I took you to a place in Nakano, which is uh, in the western part of Tokyo, uh, a place which is just teeming with tons of music bars and drink uh, drinking spots. And it's a, it's a cafe uh, run by a, a young husband and wife called Rompachichi. Um, do you remember what your first impressions were when we went in there? Because it was a very, very different atmosphere, strikingly different to the places we had visited before then. Yeah, I I mean, it's, it's sort of, I suppose, if you took away the jazz element, it looks in many ways like a lot of the cafes that you'd find around, you know, funkier neighborhoods in, in Japan, places like uh, Koenji or Kichijoji or Shimokitazawa or, you know, Daikanyama and so on. And I suppose what, you know, slots it into our project is, again, the sound system, the, the focus on jazz music. But, uh, yeah, very different places. Um, they still fit quite nicely into the project. If you're looking at the images now um, online, and Romper Chichi you can find under the Tokyo section, there's not a lot of photographs on there. And I suppose for me, like photographing the project, one of the interesting things about these newer places is that maybe aesthetically there's less to photograph. Um, you know, they have much more of a lifestyle magazine look um, in, in, the nicest <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Um, you know, and also I suppose they're not necessarily... The atmosphere doesn't feel as necessarily open to being photographed, I think, because, you know, they are much more like a, a working business uh, and a, a functioning cafe. And, and, you know, with that, obviously, comes customers. Um, and then, you know, again, you get into these issues of, of, of photographing customers without their permission. And so the photographs that you see on there, there's only four on the side of Romperchichi. I mean, the one um, of the table, I remember we were sitting on the other side of the restaurant, and there's probably only about five or six tables, but I think... Again, that was one of those photographs that had to be snapped pretty quickly because I, I think uh, not long after that, someone came and sat at that table. And then again, you know, you're always faced with this issue of, you know, do I photograph people or do we wait for another hour, two hours, you know, to, to, till the table is cleared so that we can get that picture? Yeah, I mean, what you said is 100% true. And, you know, it's, it's sort of um, one of the strange... Uh, aspects of this entire project that we've been doing is that, you know, the places that tend to resonate the most, um, I think for both you and I, um, are sometimes the places that would be just the least likely uh, to make a lot of money as a business because they are can be a little bit challenging to, quote unquote, more 
normal customers than you or I, you know, um, you know, the, the crampness, the dustiness, the smokiness. Um, and what's interesting is that the, the couple who run uh, Rome Pochichi, uh, when I went to speak with them the first time to profile them on my on my website, which is, you know, uh, to, to profile for English speaking uh, readers, um, they were very aware of that because they themselves were customers of the old style jazz Kisaten and they loved them. You know, it's places that they used to go all the time uh, on weekends and at nights to drink and to, and to listen to records. But they realized that, you know, to open a new joint that had that kind of atmosphere, well, number one, it's it's a little bit illogical because you don't have any longstanding customer base to rely on the way the old joints do. Um, and number two, um, to be viable as a business, you need to uh, be able to get new customers to come in who are going to be comfortable. And the fact is, is that younger customers in Japan, um, number one, a lot less people smoke these days in Japan than they used to. So you've got to make it non-smoking. Um, pretty much anyone under the age of 40 is going to want to want uh, Wi-Fi access, uh, either for their phone or their laptop to do some work. And the third part uh, would be, you know, keeping the place cleaner. I know that that sounds like something that's very, very obvious, but Philip, you and I have been to a lot of jazz joints, and I would say that maybe less than 10% of them are would be what anyone would describe as clean. I mean, whether yeah. it's in terms of, you know, dustiness or just proper hygiene where, where the drinks are located, you know? I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's all relative, I think, you know, and again, if you've been to Japan, you'll know that, you know, Japanese levels of cleanliness are, are very different to perhaps what we experience in our own country. So even something that's maybe not as clean in Japan is probably quite clean by, by uh, standards in other places. But yeah, I mean, I think it, it sort of reflects that, um, that, that sort of tightrope, I guess, that places are trying to walk, isn't it? You know, where um, they want to do business and they have to make money. And, you know, the older way of doing things maybe just doesn't necessarily work anymore. So, um, you know, making these places more accessible uh, and more open in some ways does change the fundamental characters, uh, characteristics of, of, of places and the things that perhaps that we really love. But equally, you know, if these places are to have a future, that there does need to be changes. And I think, you know, another good example of that is is the second place that we're going to talk about today because we're we've got a, a special guest for the second half of the podcast who knows exactly what we're talking about in terms of, of forward-thinking places. Uh, that, that was Juha, and I, I remember, again, that was quite early on in the project. Uh, we went on a maybe a Saturday afternoon, um, and uh, remind me again, where was Juha? Was it also in Nakano? Or? No, uh, Juha, a couple stations west of Nakano in a place called Nishi Ogikubo, which is That's about right. maybe yeah. 20 minutes west of Shinjuku, which most of our listeners will know where that is in Tokyo. So it's not, not a particularly um, huge station area, um, actually quite well known for antique shops, but uh, that's besides the point. But people do go there to go visit the antique shops to go shopping. Um, but Juha, it's interesting, Philip, because, you know, when you look at the pictures up on, on the website on Tokyo Jazz Joints, the first picture for Juha, I think, um, sort of gets at 
a very, very important part of what we're talking about with the new joints. And that is you, you were able to capture a picture of a young lady um, in the doorway. And um, I think people will have picked up by now from our discussions that, you know, a lot of the old jazz Kisaten and jazz bars were pretty much male only sort of environments. Um, but the new places are very aware of this, that, you know, uh, society has changed in Japan. Young women are now much more than in previous generations are working, have a lot of their own spending money, go out to drink with their friends. Um, and as a result, uh, these new kinds of cafes uh, are adapting to a younger female clientele, um, which means in a Japanese context, um, more cake sets, <laughs> more more versions of fancy teas, not just 10 bottles of whiskey behind the bar, um, and a place that's a little bit brighter and a little bit more welcoming to young women who walk in. Um, you know, to be honest, you know, a lot of the places that we love, these really old skanky dive jazz bars, they're just not going to be very easy for young um, Japanese female customers on their own to walk in to for a lot of cultural reasons you know they just wouldn't feel comfortable for that yeah I, I, that photo was the one that sort of stuck out for me i think it was just that again as, as any photographers listening will know maybe a, a happy accident uh, just i got the timing right on that one but i think it is it is sort of evocative of of just these newer places and what they represent and you know you mentioned even non-smoking for example and and you know uh, the traditional jazz joint as we know it and and the one that sort of would best describe a lot of the places that we've talked about on the podcast so far is not necessarily the most welcoming place it's not that when you get in it's it's unfriendly but just from the exterior and the general atmosphere and so on you know it's not somewhere that you necessarily think oh well, I'll just pop in here you know that there's a, an element of it that's maybe intimidating you know you don't mm. know who's in there it's regular and, customers and we mention, you know? it's not just it, and it's not just gender I don't want to make it sound like these places were men's only clubs because I've had young Japanese uh, guys tell me that they felt very intimidated walking in there as someone in their 20s, for example, because the image that they had of these places was that it was full of old men, regular customers. And as young guys walking in who didn't know anyone, they felt very uh, nervous about it, you know. Um, and, and, you know, I think I think that's understandable to some degree. Um you, you mentioned the happy accident. Uh, the second picture you've got up for Juha as well. Um, I'll translate that for our non-Japanese reading uh, listeners. Uh, but you can see, you know, uh, the sign for Juha on the left. It says May 2nd, and then it says Saturday. And then underneath that, it says, uh, today there's no pasta on the menu uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> so, But the fact that they actually put up a sign to say that means that pretty much every day they're serving fresh pasta dishes for lunch. Um, and unlike a lot of the old jazz joints where I think we've mentioned before, you would never ever want to eat anything. Um, Juha and Rompochichi and a couple of the other newer places, they put a, a lot of emphasis on the food. So uh, people will stop by for coffee, but they'll see the menu and they'll see some special pasta or whatever other dishes, and they'll actually decide to eat there. Um, and that's definitely a new feature. That's something that did not exist in, the, in, in previous generations at all. Yeah. So listen, James, um, in the spirit of, of places that are, are forward thinking and that are maybe redefining in some way the traditional jazz joint, we're going to jump from Japan today and we're going to head over to Germany. Um, and we've got uh, on the line, we've got a, a really 
a fantastic guy who has, along with his partner, opened up a jazz bar in Berlin called Rhinoceros. You may or may not be familiar with it if you're listening to the podcast, but what a joint. And, uh, you know, I've said it many times, but just about the most Japanese jazz joint, certainly that I've experienced outside Japan. So um, let's see if we can get him on the line. Wow. Listen to us having international guests join in the middle of a podcast. I mean, I what's know. next? man? And the yeah. pandemic. I mean, we're just, you know, ticking all the boxes. Okay, got Benedict from the amazing Rhinoceros Jazz Bar uh, over in Prenzlauerberg in Berlin. Um, if you don't know this place uh, and you're ever in Berlin or you fancy a holiday once we're able to travel again, I recommend you start there. It's, it's an absolutely fabulous place and we're delighted to have him on the podcast today. Benedict, are you there? Hi, hi, hi guys, how are you doing? Good, good, welcome. How, how's it been, how's business been uh, in the midst of all the crisis? Oh, well, uh, pretty slow. Uh, we, we closed since uh, March 14th, which is now um, quite a long time. Uh, but slowly, slowly, uh, we get some, some, some good news to, to, to reopen uh, from the politics. So, yeah, we hope like at the end of the month to, to reopen again and be, be ready for, for more music and more drinks. Good news, good news. So uh, we were kind of discussing new places today and, and the future of jazz joints and, and maybe f- more forward-looking, uh, forward forward-thinking joints uh, that we've come across as part of the Jazz Joints project. Um, and obviously, you know, Berlin uh, conjures up all sorts of images and ideas in the mind, but probably a Japanese jazz bar is not necessarily one of the things that you would associate with Berlin. So just to kick off, you know, could you explain to us why why start a Japanese jazz joint in Berlin? Uh, it's a little bit because of you guys, uh, I have to say. So um, stories starts in uh, 2016. I was um, like drawing some 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 new project and I uh, wanted to open a new bar uh, with kind of a new new ideas and um, yeah I had this record collection at home and um, I wanted to to offer um, drinks and music and bourbon and everything what's what's good in a new in a new place in Berlin kind of I, I, in in my mind was kind of a, I wanted to have a kind of a, um, a really small joint, uh, more kind of a, a late night thing. And I thought, okay, I like also steaks and fries. So maybe I'm going to like be operating by myself alone and doing fries, steaks and having bourbons and, um, and, and loud, loud music through vintage sound system. And um, after a while, um, I met a friend and uh, he was he was a cook and he said and also he knew we were Japan and he said don't do this after two weeks everything is going to be fucked uh, with the fries and the grease and everything but you should look at this Japanese jazz bar look at jazz kisaten on the on, on on Google dig this you will love it and I think that could be your your, your project and in, uh, I in fact I did and uh, like. Pretty fast, I, I stumbled on your on your feature on uh, the Vinyl Factory. Remember this one? And, uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Back in January, was it like 16, 2016? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And for 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 us, it was like straight ahead. Okay, that's what we're gonna do. 
uh, I fall in love with the picture. So also it's a, it's, it's, it's a rare quality. So if you are from abroad and you've never been to Japan, you've never been to such a place and you watch, you look at these pictures and you say, wow. And you feel everything. I mean, I, I feel the, the music, I feel the, 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 the general feeling of the place, atmosphere, the lightning, everything was inside. And for us, it was a great opportunity and a, a great chance to have your pictures, Philip, uh, and your work together, guys, uh, as a window on this, on this fabulous culture. And um, yeah, it took a while, but we did it. Uh, so we opened November 17. So that's the story, actually. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's funny uh, because I wasn't aware of you and, and the way it sort of came about was that actually I was showing some photos from the project in, um, in London, um, at the Institute of Light, um, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that was kind of in conjunction with BBE records. Mm -hmm. um, they just released their first uh, J-Jazz Volume 1 compilation. And I remember, I think, just getting some, some messages and, and so on from you. I think February 18. Yeah, that would make sense then. So it was, it was the Institute of Light, and I remember just coming across uh, this place uh, uh, that was sort of interacting with Tokyo Jazz Joints on, on social media. And just by pure chance, an old school friend of mine, Michael Staley, he happened to be in Berlin uh, at the time yeah. uh, in the film festival. And so exactly, for I was Berlin like, Island. get yourself around there and meet these people. Uh, and uh, and when, when he came back, I mean, he was raving about the place. And of course, then he, he explained the story that you had based some of the interior and so on on, the, on photos from the project and I mean I was completely flattered uh, and, and really amazed by this story and, and couldn't wait to get there so it, it was a really nice kind of uh, serendipitous way that we kind of ended up making this connection and obviously then we've developed our relationship since. James you haven't managed to make it to Rhinoceros yet have you? No no sadly not I'm still waiting for my my upcoming visit to the continent, uh, but Benedict, <laughs> I having having talked with Philip and, and seen pictures of the joint, and um, you know read what you guys have on your website. It seems uh, well, obviously, it seems like the kind of place I'd be hanging out on my first night in Berlin uh, when I do visit. But uh, what I really wanted to ask you about was what was the initial reaction from customers who came in who were perhaps not used to uh, what we call in Japan a music bar and, and what people in the West often call listening bars, where, you know, you're not really going in uh, with a large group of friends uh, to have a rowdy drink up, but you're going in to, to, to pay attention to the music, to listen to great music at a rather loud volume. What was the reaction of your Berlin customers at first? They were, they were all very, very confused. Uh, what's this place? The music is too loud. And... <laughs> What's this music? It's actually, it's, no, can, can you put it down? And yeah, but what's this drink? What's a whiskey eyeball? Why are you serving this? And, and, and it was like big confusion. It took, it took a long time, um, probably 18 months, two years. Uh, so the concept came to people like uh, that to understand. And uh, yeah, there were some, some, some people, they reacted like really positively directly uh, from the beginning because they were uh, they were used to this kind of place in Japan. They, they, they were visitors already in, in Japan of a mm, lot of places. So they had in Berlin at once what they, what they were missing. But for the regular customers, which is probably 90% of our crowd, uh, it was a little bit confusing at the beginning. But now it's, it's fine. We have like a, a good, good crowd. I mean, we, if we are open. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. great to hear because you know, um, as you're probably aware, and Philip and I have talked about this over the last couple of years, as um, you know, as as our photo project has gained some uh, awareness in different countries and you know we've seen the notices that in in places like london um and i believe in los angeles uh a couple of similar type of japanese style listening bars with high-end audio systems have opened so uh, you know it seems like maybe this is something that could become a trend around the world for music lovers um you know what have what have you heard from from other people in europe uh, you know have, have there been other joints similar to rhinoceros that have opened uh, people in your circle or or just things that you've heard about yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but they are would split into different uh, families. Um, you have some listening bars or music bars uh, with this vintage sound system, let's say horns like clips and stuff. And but more influence from the Mancuso, David Mancuso and the Loft Party ethics, which is really interesting because Mancuso and the Loft Party ethics was also related to Japan. So it's kind of crossing different culture. On one side, more the, the, the club culture and um, probably the party thing. And on the other side, uh, more the, 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 the cafe vibe, the bar vibe and uh, more intimate um, things. Um, I don't know other place um, really close to us in the way we're doing it and how we do it. Um, but there is also a great space in in, in Paris and uh, in uh, I think of L'Entrée des Artistes uh, or Frequence. Frequence has a, especially has a really great uh, cocktail bar. And also I think about Bambino, which is a new place in Paris. So things are are, are moving. Also in, in London, I never, we had this trip uh, planned for this week to go to London and visit all the, the other bars doing this. But unfortunately, under these circumstances, uh, we are in, we're still in Berlin and uh, we have to postpone this, uh, this trip to discover. I don't know about the U.S. scene. Uh, I know there is a couple of uh, new jazz kisa places in uh, also in Asia, like in Vietnam. And uh, uh, also there is like this, this, this place uh, in Hong Kong. Like it, which was uh, already in 15, 15 around. Potato aid, it's called, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Philippines and Taiwan as well, um, yeah. which, you know, we don't know how they're going to uh, continue in the current situation, but definitely, yeah, in the last couple of years, is, you've seen um, a small growth in, in, in the number of music bars, listening bars um, here in Asia as well, outside of Japan, which has been really exciting to see. You know, I'm hoping that I can connect with them at some point and we can do like we did at the Rhinoceros and bring our pictures down there. Yeah, you should do. Also, um, there is probably like the most connected place to us is uh, this place, totally random. Huh? It's called Black Forest and it's in Buenos Aires. So it's from it's, it's done by this Finnish guy living with a, a Brazilian uh, woman in uh, in Buenos Aires. No, pardon, in uh, exactly in Argentina. And I think what they do is uh, it's really close to 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 what we are doing in the aesthetic and the philosophy and the sound direction. That's a very I mean, international sounding place. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's all over. It's all over all, all over the world because it's a really strong culture. This uh, this uh, jazz bar uh, culture. 
I mean, if anyone's out there listening and they want to fund uh, a documentary project where uh, we track all the jazz joints around the world that are either inspired by Japan or, um, you know, following in those footsteps of Japanese jazz bars, please get in touch and we'll be happy to take some time off work and do it. I mean, I, Buenos Aires is on my hit list of places to go, so um, I don't need any reasons to go, but certainly the idea of a jazz bar there oh, run by yeah. a Finnish man right married to a Brazilian woman <laughs> sounds uh, right up my street. Uh, also, Benedict, we, we, we chatted last time. Um, so, I mean, for those of you, again, who haven't been following us on social media until recently, um, we were lucky enough to... to do a display of some of the pictures uh, at Rhinoceros and, and Benedict and Martina were very kind to offer up their walls for what turned into be sort of five or six weeks uh, and we displayed a selection of projects which, uh, sorry, we, dis- we displayed a selection of prints which um, were very kindly le- lent to us by Charlie who, again, yeah. if you don't know, had set up the Moon Glow project a couple of yeah. years ago where he, he had a pop-up jazz bar in London in Dalston for a while and, again, um, very kindly displayed some of the pictures. And, um, you know, I spent a few nights now at Rhinoceros and, I mean, for me, certainly, it's the most authentically Japanese jazz joint that I've been to outside Japan. I mean, it just, the aesthetic, uh, the atmosphere. And, you know, what's amazing and, and really interesting is it has everything that those jazz bars have that we talk about on the podcast, but what it also has is um, a really vibrant uh, base of younger customers who are there and and really just, you know, giving that electricity and that atmosphere to the place. And it's a wonderful space to be in. Could you tell us just a little bit, you know, if you had to sum up the the philosophy of Rhinoceros, what, what would it be? But first, thank you for, for all these good words. I, nobody can see me, but I'm really red. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, the philosophy is really simple because we, we just do what we can do best um, good to, to offer good time to people. And in that way, we just try to make great drinks, classic ones uh, with great service, the best sound we can have and uh, play the music we love so we can share this, this love of music and, uh, you know, sharing something with a guest or someone is already a lot of the hospitality job because if you're happy listening to your music and you're ready to explain the story behind this record or the, your place etc you will you will be happy and you give this back to the customer and as the customer should uh, come back at the end and uh, yeah that's our philosophy just do what we can do best and give people um, the best time uh, the, and the best experience they, 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 they could have. And one other quick question for you, Benedict. Sorry, Philip. One yeah. other quick question for you. Um, <laughs> our, our listeners will probably pick up that, that you are um, actually French, um, but have settled in Germany. Um, yeah. f- France is very well known as a jazz-loving country. Um, yeah. since way, it's way true. back. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that it had the same level of, you know, fanaticism in Germany. Um, have you found that a lot of, you know, as Philip was mentioning, you know, you have a younger clientele. Are your younger customers really deep jazz heads or are they learning about it as they come to bars like Rhinoceros? Oh, you have a little bit, uh, three, three types of... Uh of listeners, huh? so you have like people just discovering, coming from the experience, just having fun, like uh, and all this excitation around uh, around new experience. Um, you have younger people 
already musicians digging into jazz and other form of, of black music and aware of some stuff coming to also share this, this, this experience and learn some stuff. And you have like people like nerds. We have um, like really old, uh, not old cats, but yeah, people around for a while and uh, musicians and uh, having themselves also like huge record collections coming to share, to share, to share music and time. And, and yeah, so we have a little bit of the three types of, uh, of crowd. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the name then. Ah, the Baranoceros. Yeah, it's really easy. Um, it should have be, been called Bill because of Bill Evans, but nobody was really up to it or, 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 but me. Um, so what happened is we said, okay, uh, what's the name of the street? Rhino. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So where do we go? Yeah, we go in the Rhino. Yeah, in the Rhinoceros. Rhinoceros. Nice. Because nice. the street is called Rhinoer Straße. Mm -hmm. That's great, but it's funny you said it's Bill lazy. because yeah, it, Bill Evans would have taken it to a whole nother level of Japanese jazz barness because um, I would say eighty to ninety percent of the Japanese joints that that we visited, uh, the owners have got a picture of Bill Evans somewhere in there. He is an absolute deity in Japan, um, yeah. you know, and played here very very often. So that that's that that definitely made me laugh a little bit. But yeah, Rhinoceros is a great name. Thank you. The sound of uh, the sound of Bill Evans fitting all the all the jazz bar really well. Also from the from the early work to the latest things, the early eighties. It's uh, it's always matching uh, the, the 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 jazz bar vibe. Mm. It's incredible. Yeah, it's true. I mean. Uh, if you look in the, some of the pictures on the project, if you search for Posey, uh, you'll be able to find uh, a really nice portrait of Bill Evans tucked down away at the back of that uh, very unique little spot in Shimokitazawa. And obviously, famously then, uh, James, quite a few of the places we've been, the one that sticks in my head is Aonta, way up in Matsumoto, uh, where as you walk up the staircase, you know, just casually Bill Evans' signature is on the wall in, in marker with a lot of other famous jazz musicians. But uh, yeah, he's very highly regarded there and, and we, we tend to, to see a lot of Bill Evans' memorabilia and, and various things uh, in the places that we visit. So, um, Benedict, I know last time that we were in, in Berlin, um, we, we were kind of scheming slightly a couple of things. One was to visit this mysterious place that we, we uh, had heard about down in Cologne, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. which um, is called Metronome. And, and certainly Metronome. from the pictures that I've seen and the stories that I've heard, it seems to me almost like uh, someone German went to, to Japan over in the... Uh, mid 60s uh, were inspired mm, by the mm, jazz Kisa there mm, came back and, and basically recreated it in in yeah. Cologne but neither because of us have managed it, yeah. to get there yet what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah we should go as, as soon as possible because I'm really curious what I hope from the story is just that he never been to Japan he never heard about the jazz bar but it's exactly the same would, it would mean um this culture of sharing the music all together after a while, you know, and uh, on, on one record player and all this, which mean, would mean it's universal, kind of, you know what I mean? That yeah. sounds absolutely epic. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree. I mean, if, if it's true that the guy had never been there um, and yet the atmosphere came out to be so, so similar, um, completely, you know, it would, in, in a sense, it would almost validate everything that we've been saying about these joints is that they create this special atmosphere for listening to yeah. music, you know, yeah. and it transcends whatever country that you wanted to take it to. Exactly. That would be amazing. But let's go, let's go soon. Let's go soon in uh, Metronome. Let's do it. Colonia. 
in line with government guidelines, obviously. But listen, since um, since you've opened your place in Berlin, obviously, then you and Martina did eventually get to Japan. So um, we yeah. wanted to hear your impressions of of the jazz joints um, now that you've visited them yourselves, and you know maybe one or two memories or particular joints that stood out in your mind from your experiences there last year. Yeah, so we we went we went finally um, uh, eighteen at the end of eighteen. And yeah, it was mind blowing. I mean, it was the best, absolutely my favorite travel so far, best trip ever. Uh, no, it was great to be there. For sure, we, we were following a little bit uh, the, the Jazz Kisa pass as a red line, so to say. Um, we had this map, uh, which is an open, open Google map uh, done by this guy called Mitch. And it's amazing. It's just like he, he had like. 600 or 700 uh, uh, jazz spots uh, on on, uh, on on Google, so you I know can follow that, I know really that guy. I know that guy. Mitch, he, yeah, he is, he's been yeah yeah yeah. He's been um, a real big help to to my own site, sort of profiling the places in English. Yeah, uh, I've, I've hung out with him a couple of times. He he uh, spends a lot of his work, his regular job, wandering around the country for different meetings. So he's had time to visit some real out of the way places. Yeah, it's super nice, and uh, now we are in contact with him, and it's really great to, if you ever travel to Japan, you can follow his map. And anyway, so we went there, and um, as the very first night, uh, we were out, um, we, a little bit randomly, we went to uh, Paper Moon in uh, Ikebukuro, and this was just pure magic, I mean... Pff. You, you you come in this bar which is not a jazz kisa but a proper jazz bar it's it smells like it, it, the windows were closed for us <laughs> uh, like 30 years and the old guy is there we we are completely alone in the bar the music is loud the sound is not so good i have to say like from the sound system it's rather bad but anyway it's kind of like a great attitude like i can't remember what was playing but Dolphy, I think Eric Dolphy was playing. I can't remember the, the record now, but and it was loud, and we were alone. We ordered some some whiskey or beer. I can't remember, and it was was great. And eventually, we were we were out on this night on other couple of places, but we came back, and it was still there, and we had a couple of more whiskeys. And um, it's always when we were visiting jazz bars and uh, jazz kissing uh, at that time. At the end, uh, we were pretty discreet and like, sure, you don't want to be like the, the, the stranger uh, making troubles and stuff. So you respect basically all these places. Uh, but at the end, we were always giving uh, our, our, our business card. And uh, like the reactions were like, always like, oh, really? Oh, that's great. Okay, let's take pictures together. And at once, we were like friends since 10 years together. It was amazing. It was amazing. So, yeah. Uh, Pepper Moon in uh, Ikebukuro was uh, was uh, f- the first and for me like exactly what I want to do, which is like a little bit crazy if you think about it. For those of you who listened to episode seven, um, you'll probably recognize Paper Moon uh, from that description and, and from the images as well. Uh, and we covered that uh, sort of extensively, a very unique place uh, in every aspect, really. Uh, were there any other places then that stood out for you on, on your trip? I know you were there for, was it a couple of weeks? Yeah, two weeks, um, and we did approximately 30, 30 joints. Uh, it was was super good. They were not all great. Of like, it was like a little bit of a show off or look at my sound system. But actually, it was really the sound was not good or low or I don't know. And the coffee was medium. But um, yeah, another great place I found it was uh, Kanazawa Bokunen. 
Mm. I really love this. Uh, Fantastic this. joint. Oh, I'm yeah. so happy you made it there. <laughs> Benedict, yeah. that, is, that is great. Yeah, that's a wonderful joint. And the couple there, um, yeah. been there a Especially couple the times. Especially the lady. Yeah, Especially yeah. the lady. She's doing everything, the drinks. And uh, the guy was just kind of cooking. And uh, she was like looking at for the records, the next record to play, checking the sound, uh, making the drinks, great drinks, by the way. Uh, it was so good. And the sound is really good. They have an amazing uh, sound system. And uh, nice record collections, and uh, yeah, it was great pleasure. And um, I think the third place I would say I really loved. Uh, now it's closed. It was it's called Riverside, like the label, you know, Riverside. The yes. Label? Yes. It was a place in Ginza, and I think it's uh, now closed. Uh, pretty rather like small, modern place. Little bit cold, but great sound system, and they had like all Riverside records in like craziness, pure madness of like having all the editions of each Riverside, like the European editions, this prints. Oh no, it was mind blowing. And we spoke with the guy, which uh, for uh, Bill, and it was uh, okay in English, so we had a nice time just exchanging about records and music and all the. Or the Riverside pressing and stuff. I oh, know it was good. And it yeah, was, unfortunately, was unfortunately, Riverside closed shortly after that. Um, ah, you, know, yeah, you know, so it's, you know it's, it's good. It's good that you got to get there before uh, before that happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've talked uh, quite at length on 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 our podcast here, Philip and I, about how how delicate it is for a lot of these places. So you know, the fact that you could visit thirty on your on your one trip to Japan is is just fantastic. I mean, I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great. We did we did we did really a little bit on purpose. It was kind of a Omeka trip. Hmm. Interesting, uh, uh, you know, mentioning Boken, and I know that was one of the places, James, that wasn't um, necessarily, I think, on our radar. And, and I think we both went separately to that one, but uh, it was my first time up in Kanazawa, and we'll maybe cover a couple of those places in a different episode. But certainly, Bokenen is very unique because, again, you know, if you approach from one side, it looks like just kind of um, a really sketchy kind of alleyway uh with a, like a sort of fire escape yeah. uh, at yeah. the back and then if you go from the front it's it, from you enter front, through yeah. this beautiful japanese traditional gate and there's this enormous old tree in the garden and you could swear you're in a temple or something like that so it's it's yeah, a real sides. yeah very very interesting contrast of a place but gorgeous inside and uh, yeah really nice couple very friendly people so uh, a really nice place to to have managed to get to because again not probably not one of the places that you would necessarily uh, go to or would be you know in the top 10 list of places if you were limited in terms of time and, and location and stuff like that yeah so yeah. um just to finish up uh benedict it's been really great to talk to you i mean um thank you what are your plans uh moving forward i know it's an uncertain time but uh you know what's what's in the next few months for rhinoceros it's difficult to 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 plan things now um i would like to say we're going to try to, to be back to normal, but also it sounds weird, sounds wrong to say that. Mm. Um, so we hope to, to be open um, soon and to be even more um, just bars than ever. I mean, I really want to focus on the sound and on the music and on the quality of drinks and uh, um, like to, to bring also people the, 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 the aesthetic of uh, uh, please be quiet, listen to the music. Because I think we're going to have like just... A, 
like a reduction of customers in the next uh, in the next days huh? we will be up, uh, able to open but just like 50% of our seats so actually we're going to have the situation like a little bit in like in Japan where you go into this place and it's empty so I want to focus on the sound and the music and the experience even if it's just one customer and uh, give him good time yeah that's it and then we see we grow we grow again from there and uh, yeah, I hope to see you guys uh, uh, in Berlin or we have this, this trip also in Japan uh, planned together, I hope. And uh, this is going to happen. Maybe not this year, but maybe next year. Let's hope so. I mean, listen, you know, particularly in the current situation, we need places like Rhinoceros to stay open more than ever. And, um, you know, if you haven't been down and, and once you're able to travel again, if, if Berlin's on your list, uh, you know, I'd highly recommend do not leave the city without visiting uh, Rhinoceros. It's, it's, it's a genuinely uh, brilliant place. And whether your jazz is your thing or not, it's a fantastic uh, joint to experience. So uh, thanks so much, Benedict, for, for joining us today. Much. And um, ah, thank you. Good luck with everything, and um, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Always great pleasure to to hear you guys. And uh, James, have a good time in uh, Japan. And, oh yeah, uh, I hope to see you. I hope to see you and Martina here very, very soon. As soon as all this clears up, you know that you've got a very knowledgeable tour guide. As soon as you land next time. Oh yes, come over, and uh, <laughs> we see each other soon. And Phil, thank you very much. We talk to each other soon. Pleasure, bye -bye. man. All the bye -bye. best. Bye bye. Okay, so I think that's all we've got time for this week. Um, James, great to have Benedict on. Good to talk to you as always. Um, we're going to be back next week. In the meantime, please, if you haven't listened to other episodes, go check them out. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and we're also uploading them to YouTube as well, so there's no excuse not to listen. And we've been hearing from a lot of listeners uh, from around the world, both uh, people we know and people we don't know, so please do get in touch. Um, we love getting the feedback. And, uh, Philip, stay safe safe in Dublin town thank you if you want to have a look at any of the pictures don't forget www dot yeah oh <laughs> come on can't Wait, even I do the I website was to be, wasn't I supposed to be the drunk one I'm at night here oh uh, yeah okay let's try that again www.tokyojazzjoints.com that's where you can get all the pictures there's uh, over 130 joints on there so plenty to look at don't forget the OK Jazz podcast episode number 114 now up for your pleasure at tokyojazzsite.com gotta do some self PR here always gotta get the last word haven't you <laughs> boom see have a good night buddy bye <laughs> great great